Hi, Sarah. Hi, Mary. We're in the same room. Oh my God, we're podcasting in the same room. This is like unheard of. I know, it's been a long time. It's been a very long time since we podcasted in this room. We did our very first episode in this room. I yeah, remember. we did. Yeah. yeah, it's like old times. <laughs> so this is a bonus episode. It is. And we're watching the Army Hammer documentary. Mm-hmm. And because like there's so much packed into every episode and we we've been kind of like pausing it and commenting to each other and like we kind of wish that we'd done it like a goggle box episode we filmed ourselves so we've decided to pause after each episode and share our thoughts and then like round up at the end perfect because i just think there'll be too much information to remember to remember definitely definitely this is one that has been on our radar we immediately wanted to do an episode about it like reviewing it mm-hmm. since we saw the trailer and first impressions, what do you think? I mean, like, it's just, it's deranged. It is. As a documentary. Yeah. It's deranged. Not that it hasn't got, like, some, it's, it's I'm actually finding it interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's worthy of interest. Yeah. I don't think it's worthy of a document, of a three-part documentary, but we'll see. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm quite looking, so the first episode... Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of a roller coaster, really, because first of all, we felt like we're kind of making fun of people, and then we felt like really sorry for people. Yeah. And then um, we're making fun of people again, and then, yeah, now I'm just excited to see what happens in the second episode. Cause yeah. I am quite interested to see, like, this fucking, like, House of Horrors, ha- ha- like, family. Yeah. It sounds, it sounds crazy. But, like, it's the music for me that's completely deranged in this oh film. Oh, my God. Yeah, like the music is so leading. It's so leading. It's taking normal things and putting like serial killer documentary music <laughs> over the top of it to make it seem sinister. Yeah, and it's a desperate, desperate attempt to like. They don't I, have to do that. They don't. They literally can just go on the testimony and the genuine emotion of the ladies who've come forward, yeah. and that you know that can stand you know that has its weight it's the overkill with the you know this as you say like horror movie music over the top that's not necessary and it makes me doubt the motives of the filmmakers it does and like it's and it's at first it makes you doubt like the intelligence of these women or the motives of these women because like it's just so schlocky and so like it looks, it makes it, it makes them look really fake. Yeah, and it's disrespectful to them because I agree. Like they, I don't know. I feel like the movie, the I think the documentary is like exploiting these women. Definitely. Yeah, it's it's doing a weird combination of invalidating what they're saying and also exploiting their emotions. Exactly. Like it's, you know, it's trivializing things because it. Yeah, it's so schlocky and it's so poorly made that we start to question everything exactly and yeah I I feel like there's too much of an agenda and that's where it's failing because there are legitimate concerns here 100% yeah 100% and like I think that in you know what like while we're watching it I just kept wanting to turn to you and be like um and like ask you about documentaries that you've whether you've seen them because I'm just like Mm. I wanted to be like you know have you seen um don't fuck with cats yeah. That's a good documentary. That's like a I just good. like I just kept thinking about like documentaries <laughs> that are actually good and like wanting to watch those instead. But I feel like yeah. they've taken like I think that documentary was hugely influential, Don't Fuck With Cats, mm. in that it like takes um 
like it sort of pulls apart like sensational social media stories and like then the dark underbelly of like really dark things that are happening mm. and I think this film is trying to do that as well because mm. there's this whole bit about like the cannibalism and she's like you know the cannibalism thing went off on social media and everyone forgot about like the important stuff yeah. but if I remember correctly that is how it was leaked it was leaked yeah. with this cannibalism thing and then this sexual assault thing, I think, came even after we recorded that episode. Yeah. Because I hadn't, I've never seen that before. Me neither. Um, That's brand new information. That is new information to me. Yeah. Apart from I saw it in the trailer, but apart from that. Yeah. Um, but basically, so it starts with this girl's story mm-hmm. about how she spoke to Ami Hammer at a bar and then he like added her on Instagram and started messaging her and she said aren't you married and he said yes but my, me and my wife are separated and then they began this like very romantic long distance pandemic relationship in yeah. which he would like call her a lot and message her a lot it's, imagine that but like with like scary music over the top of that like perfectly normal story <laughs> exactly it's ridiculous like yeah like that's a lot of calls and messages but he's an actor in a pandemic he's got fuck all to do right? yeah and those people are very like extroverted so they probably want they to need an audience they need an audience yeah so and then like then he's just like you know and i finally go to see him in la and he's like let's go to the desert and the music is like boom boom I'm like, what happened in the desert? What, oh my God, what happened to her in the desert? Nothing, nothing. <laughs> they have a lovely three weeks together. Yeah, that was, like you said, that was a red herring. It was such a red herring. I was like, oh my God, it happened in the desert. Like nothing happened in the desert. They had a lovely time. Yeah. <laughs> She's posting it all over her Instagram, which fine. Like, you know, certain people do that. Mm-hmm. Um, although she does say later, like, you know, like our relationship was leaked. And it's like, by you, you put it, you put it on your Instagram. Exactly. He was all over her stories. All over her stories. But you know, again, like fine. Some people do yeah, it with their relationships. Yeah, that's fine. It's okay. I probably would too, but my boyfriend forbids me. So, <laughs> um, so yeah. So who's under coercive control, really? Um, <laughs> <laughs> then there's this weird bit where she says that he did something to her that humiliated her. And then she won't talk about what it is. And my question is, then why bring it up in this documentary? Exactly. Not to her. Like, no. that's fine. Like, that's how she wants to tell the story, fine. But if you have, like, no... If you can't... If your source won't tell the story... Yeah. You have no story. No. So cut it out, because we don't know what it is. It could be... It's made to seem like it's incredibly bad. She said it was degrading, dehumanizing, but she didn't say what it was. Exactly. She didn't actually say dehumanizing. She said it was degrading. Degrading, yeah. Um. But, yeah, that could be... But, like... As we sort of see with this girl, like any form of, yeah, like anything sort of out, I don't really know how to describe it, but like there's certain things that seem to make her very uncomfortable, which yeah. fair enough. She seems, I mean, again, I'm I'm not using this word to like disparage her, no. but it's just for the, for lack of a better term, she seems a bit vanilla. She's very, she seems vanilla. Yeah. And she seems like happily vanilla. She's happily vanilla. And yeah. And she, she doesn't like that and she doesn't, yeah, and that's fine. That's she's fine. she's like, no interest in that. She just wants to have like a romantic relationship with a movie star. Yeah. And she's like, you know, she's very pretty. She's very, she's got like a business. She just wants to have like a nice life and that's like absolutely fine. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, I don't know why that's in there if she won't say because it could be something really, really fucking horrendous, or it could just be something that made her feel uncomfortable that wouldn't make someone else feel uncomfortable. That's fair enough. If she doesn't want to share it, that's fine. But I agree with your point that the filmmakers shouldn't have included that yeah. because all that's doing is leaving a gap into which we project what we define as degrading. We're then filling that gap in the narrative with our worst nightmare, mm-hmm. which is probably not what happened to her. Whatever happened to her is degrading in her definition of the term that's very very you know relative and we we can't it's sort of difficult to judge it is and also like that she does mention like at the beginning early on in their relationship they shared childhood traumas with each other Mm. and she doesn't elaborate on what those traumas are but given like how upset she is about what happens next i do wonder if like she has some kind of related incident yeah but anyway, that's complete, that's pure speculation. But I think it's interesting that she said we did we did exchange childhood traumas. Yeah. It makes him much more of a douche if she had something in her past. Definitely. Like anyway, and then what happens is they she sees him on a date with Rumor Willis in the in paparazzi pictures, which obviously like humiliates and upsets yeah. her. And then, um, as their relationship is disintegrating, they have like a horrible date where he's not very nice to her and he drinks a lot. And then he like brings like this bondage ropes that he's like being like sort of alluding to in their relationship. Actually, they don't sound like the bondage ropes. They sound like the fucking ropes from a DIY store. Yeah. Because he's such an idiot that yeah. he doesn't understand. That, like he can get like specialist ones that don't like that aren't like really fucking rough and abrasive and yeah. ugly. Like you get the ones in pretty colors yeah. if you want. If you like would be man enough, army, to go into a sex shop, <laughs> like. Oh my god! And yeah, and that he like basically, and she's like v- visibly uncomfortable with it, and he does it anyway, and she hates it, and like, yeah. she's really upset. And this is the point that you raised, which I think is so accurate. You were like, he, you know, he's not reading the circumstances correctly. Like he's going after people who clearly are not on the same page as him sexually. There would be a community of people out there if he were just bothered to look that would be totally into this scene and mm-hmm. this kind of stuff and they would be willing participants. He seems to just kind of spring this notion on girls who may not have at all any experience in this area or any interest. I have a theory. Yeah. Or like I'm 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 certain of my theory. Yeah. So like so later on you know, there's this woman who, like, this woman who made me laugh so much. So it was just like, the idea that someone would pretend to rape someone. And she's like, sort of talking in this, like, shaky way. And it's like, this fit, this whole episode is so kink shaming. It is. Like, it's ridiculous. Like, the, I didn't realize there were so many people out there who are, like, completely flabbergasted that people could have, like, kinks around rape. Yeah. Like, it's like maybe we're in the minority not being shocked by that but like that seems insane and a lot of this is like and a lot of this is like reading his like sexual fantasies like he says to one of the girls like i have a sexual fantasy about like um having you like prove your devotion to me by like tying you up in a public place and like letting other guys fuck you Mm. and like if you in it and and i'm just like i was like that's like that seems like a perfectly normal fantasy. Yeah. Like, and it's a fantasy as well. He doesn't say he's going to do that to no. her. He says that's a fantasy. And like, I think that's like a fairly standard yeah. thing. I've read like short erotic stories. There's like an, there's a story in um, like an argent provocateur collection. Mm. You know, like it's like, this is not like... This it's not is such not, an outlier. It's not outlandish. No. Especially as like a text. 
Exactly. It's not that weird. So no, it's not. You're having this kind of contrast of like a real girl's like quite horrible experience with like people being deeply fucking shocked at normal shit. So exactly, it's very strange, like tonally. Yeah. Like very it's, judgmental. It's very judgmental. Yeah. And then, and it's also like you get these girls like talking about their experience and making all these kind of excuses for their behavior. You know, like they're yeah. like they keep like justifying like why they went to see him, why they texted him back. It's like, and it's like, I that's think that's neat. because yeah. of the judgmental tone of this documentary. Exactly. That they feel like they have to defend their behavior when they are just like, they wanted to date a movie star yeah. who was being nice to them. Like, yeah. But they just have to defend themselves at every turn. And it's really upsetting. Yeah, it is. I find that very off-putting as well. Yeah. That to me is probably adding to their discomfort in telling their story as I, well. I actually think like, I wouldn't be surprised if these girls regret being in this documentary. Yeah. And like, if not now, at some point, because it's really... There's a lot that I object to about the treatment of women, not only by the documentary makers, but like towards the end of the documentary by their fucking representation. Yeah. Um, but I, my theory about him is that there's, a, there's this woman who's like wildly shocked at rape fantasies and she like um, does some research on him and she's the one that finds all of like the likes on the shibari pages that's right <laughs> and then she or the journalist i can't remember someone points out that he mentioned that he liked rough sex mm. actually so like this is like big secret he like told playboy about it like five years ago <laughs> and um he says very interestingly i would never do that to my wife because i respect her so like he's got this like weird madonna whore complex and so he's like doomed by his ridiculous, and this is really dark. I think he thinks that women who are into that are like disgusting yeah. or dirty and he cannot bring himself to. So we were like completely like baffled as to why of like millions of people, yeah. I'm sure, who are into like, who would be into that. Of course. He will choose someone who is like deeply uncomfortable with it. And it's because I think he, he basically thinks women that would enjoy that are shameful He's internalized the yeah. shame around these sex practices. Yeah. And he's then pro projecting that internal internalized shame onto the women who are into it, who are just willingly admitting their pleasure of doing these things. Yeah. So he can't actually bring himself to coexist in those, you know, let's say totally like wavelength situations where he's like on the same page. Mm -hmm. So it, you're right. I think your theory is correct. By seeking out women who visibly get upset at these suggestions, it's some way of still maintaining, like, even just a slight hold on to, I don't know, like purity or something. Yeah. Like he feels like he's less dirty or he's less disgusting is if, if he's with someone who's openly rejecting it. Yeah, exactly. If, if he's with someone who's like, yeah, do it to me. Like, I love this. Yeah. He has to then confront his own love of it. And he doesn't want to do that. No, he doesn't really. And that's wow. why, like... And there is, like, the whole time... I, we were talking about this before. Like, there's there's nothing... Outwardly, that he's a handsome guy. Yeah, he's but handsome. But he's always had an ick factor. And his <laughs> ick factor is, is his discomfort with himself. And even in the way he talks about it, like when he's like, says that voice note to this girl and he's like, um, oh, Jabari, it's a J ancient Japanese practice of like, and it's just like, such a fucking geek. And like the way, all of the messages where he starts talking about it, he sounds like he's like, yeah, he's just so geeky and so awkward. Mm -hmm. And he's not comfortable with that. No, he's not. And he's not like... He's... Even in like that, that Playboy article, the, the like line where he's pulling a lady's hair he's, and... Yeah, he's like, uh, I like the pulling off the hair and the the choking off the throat. <laughs> like, it's like, what are you, 
why are you talking like that? You're like, <laughs> he's very, un- he's deeply uncomfortable with yeah, it. He's very, very uncomfortable with it. And it comes across as awkward. Yeah. There's no confidence. Like we were saying, watching the first episode of this series, he, he has no game. No, he has no game. Like it's, re- and it's actually, is such a tragedy because he's like hurt these women. Yeah. And like, one like towards the end of the episode like very very severely yeah and like it's all due to internalized shame totally like which is just fucking awful and it's no excuse no it's no excuse we're not like here to be we're not here to defend army hammer no we're not here to like really make any moral judgments we're here for the psychoanalysis of the situation (laughs) and that seems to me the psychoanalysis of the situation like the guy is telling on himself so much I just it like blows my mind when people like literally speak their neuroses and don't realize it. Yeah. Like, how can you say that in an you say that in an interview? I would never do that to my wife because I respect her so much. And you think that's a f- normal thing to say? You think you don't need help? Exactly. Like, that's a huge red flag. And then you just go after these women that have got no interest in the shit that you're interested in, purely so that you can like feel like you said like he's he he actually needs women. Like, at first I was like, is this a mistake? Is this an accident? Does he, like, because he's awkward about talking about it, does he think that, like, they really secretly like it, but they don't feel mm. like they can talk about it? But it's not, he needs them to, he needs them to, like, be in tears and to be, he like, does. uncomfortable. Because it, like, it's It validates something for him. Yeah, it, like, it, it like, doesn't, I don't know, like, it, it leaves him, like, safe and complete. It yeah. it absolves him of guilt on some level yeah, because does. he's already feeling guilty. He's yeah. already he's already disgusted that he has these urges. So to have his sexual partner mirror back the repulsion and the disgust, we're paradoxically enough is reassuring to him. That's it. Yeah. That's what it is. That's what it is. He, because he's like, oh yeah, thank God. That's why I feel guilty. Look at look at how this girl is reacting. Yeah. I was right all along in having this shame and guilt. He's got it all wrong. It's all wrong. He has actually no idea that he could literally be in consensual relationships where everyone is on the same page. Exactly, and where he doesn't have to like hide who he is. No, which he obviously did the entire the entire years married to yeah. his wife. That's this is ridiculous. very revealing. I, I think unintentionally re- revealing yeah. this documentary. It's very unintentionally re- revealing because it's <laughs> it's like it's as I said it's deranged, and then the thing that really upset me towards the end. So like the end, you have this kind of like at first you think so yeah. At the end, you have this big reveal of um, a sexual assault that like I think quite I think probably did take place. Oh, for sure. And because and you know, we know that because he's admitting to it in text yeah. to the woman, you know, because she says I crawled away from you like, crying, you know, I, yeah, and he's just like, yeah, I thought that was great, <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, like he's, he's so fucking stupid, he's and very I actually stupid. don't know how that case was thrown out because it hasn't been he hasn't been charged. Um, it's like it's like you if the guy fucking raped someone and then talked about it in text messages. He admitted he to confessed to it. it. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe it's been settled. I'm not totally sure. sure. But in my, I actually haven't really looked at that. Um, but I, I, as far as I know, that nothing's come of that. Which wow. so that's that's crazy. Um, and but the thing that really bothered me is that she she's like represented by Gloria Alred, mm. um, well known female like defender, defender of, of sex. Yeah. Yeah. Not defender. Prosecutor. Oh, of, sorry. Yeah. Pro- yeah. Yeah. Um, and. Apparently, Gloria Arad has advised her to put a video of herself on YouTube talking about what happened. 
that's bad. Why would she do that? That's the most, like, that's... I just have no idea why anyone would tell their client to do that. And now it's like, and it's like, even if she take that, takes that down from YouTube or wherever, it looked like it was on YouTube. Yeah. Right? It was like it was, and maybe it was like a private video between, maybe like, you know, it says that she's, she lives in Europe mm-hmm. and Gloria Allred obviously lives in the US. So maybe it was like uploaded to like a private YouTube channel and shared like for the purpose of like a statement or whatever. But it's in this fucking documentary now. Yeah. It's there forever. Why would anyone tell a rape victim to do that? To, like, film their fucking face, <gasps> like, talking about what happened to them, it would like, a permanent record that will be there forever. This is so harmful to survivors. It's so awful. I just, like... and, and It's this, cruel. And this is the thing about the Me Too movement. Like, it has done a lot of great things, but this, like... I, did, I think this is such a fucking misogynistic idea mm-hmm. that when men are victims of crimes, they are entitled to justice. And when me- women are victims of crimes, they're only entitled to justice if they can, like, perform right. pain. Like, it's so fucking disgusting. It's a disgusting, like, fetish our society has for, like, we don't think that women, like, have the same right to justice unless they're, like, breaking down in this like public arena. This like the whole point of that hashtag was that we all had to talk about our various sexual assaults in a public forum. No. No. How dare you like ask women to do that? Like it's a it's a very unreasonable demand that we have to um somehow perform our trauma. Yes, perform our trauma is exactly it. Yeah. You know, for 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 what? The consumption of of like a, a, an audience who's basically just leering and Exactly, just completely getting off on it. Like Oh yeah. It's it's disgusting and it it's is. like it's insane. Like, you know, women should be able to like fucking go into a courtroom and like, you know, yeah. say like that they were raped without shedding a fucking single tear. But we are, like, taught by society that if that happens to you, it has to ruin your life. And it's not fair. It's not fair to put that burden on women. It's really not. It's sadistic. Yeah. It's like an additional harm that's done on top of the initial violation. Exactly. We, sh- we shouldn't need to convince anyone else of the validity of our lived experience. Exactly. Why is what happened to us something extremely invasive that happened to us? Why is it expected to be some spectacle? This is obscene. It is a spectacle. This entire, like, I think this is an interesting documentary, but they've made a spectacle out of those women. And it's like, I think it's really, like, that's just as exploitative and just as violent as, like, the crimes that have been committed against them. I agree. I agree. And it's sort of set up as Army Hammer is, you know, one member of a family that's just kind of like repeating this trend that seems to be occurring in in his family line that somehow his father and then his grandfather before him that there's some weird thing that these men are compelled to do Mm. and you made a really interesting point because it was like the 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 misdeeds of the the former you know hammers in the family were like laid out and then like what army 
has done in comparison doesn't seem that bad but it's I know, like, like we haven't heard it yet no we haven't like, heard it like, yet so like someone's like a, you know, like it's like it's, you know i saw like my father like watching like the housekeeper fucked like it's just like <laughs> what, sorry, what like it just it sounds like that sounds like like crazy shit like really yeah. dangerous like like scary stuff for like kids to grow up in like also, reckless i think it's so interesting that someone said i think it's a journalist or the like or the twitter mum or whatever who's like shocked by rape fantasies i just can't get over like the way she said it who is like you know and he has continued this trend and i'm like you know what like if that was someone else if that was maybe a woman you would say like continued this trauma because mm. i actually think this is like a, tra- a trauma like a trauma that is being passed down through generations but like a trend like it's like it's very like sort of illuminati shit like this idea that there's like this conspiracy among the rich to like you know, they're, like, initiated into, like, this, like, rapey culture. When it's actually, like, you know, if you're, like, father or grandfather did, like, sexually inappropriate things around you, you're going to do sexually inappropriate stuff yeah. to other people, like, until someone decides to go to therapy. And break the and cycle. And break the cycle. And yeah. obviously he's not done that. Or, like, maybe he's doing that now. Who knows? <laughs> but, like, you know, instead he's just going to, like, fucking bury it until he, like, you know, does something incredibly horrible and dangerous to someone because he can't, like, stand it. Anyway, we'll find out about that next episode. We'll find out. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Is there anything else from this first episode? I think we covered it. I think so too. Let me think. There might have been something. Well, I mean, there was the girl, the artist. (laughs) Yeah. I don't quite know what happened there. It yeah. seems like they just exchanged a few risque they texts. They exchanged a few risque texts. Um, she's not actually an artist, she's a model. And she's right. in an art project. Right. Which is like girls in like sexy pictures. <laughs> with captions? With captions. Um, which actually I've seen some artists do really well, but these are not good. No. Um, and she says that he sent her like, he sent her some of the fantasies. I think he's the one that said about the like tying them up outside yeah. thing. And she was like, you know, but all my friends were having like sex on like online with people they met on Hinge, so I thought it was normal. Like, and it's like, yeah, no, it is normal. Like, yeah. your story is just like you you have a non-story. I thought so, because yeah. I think she commented on the fact that he noticed a picture of her getting choked. Yeah, right. But she was. But what what struck me is that she wasn't willing to admit the intent behind the image exactly there was no ownership of you know the the, the sexy aspect of that even no, though she was like she was just like what a fool because it was actually a feminist point it's like yeah okay but it's a sexy picture of you being choked that you posted on your instagram and you chose that and you know you first, look good and you know you look good and you know that like choking is like a sexual thing that people enjoy so, like, I don't know why you're so, like, snobby about him being turned on by it. Again, we are not saying that if he did misdeeds towards her that she deserved it because no, of no. the picture. But they never, We're just, they never met. They never met. No. They never met. He's merely commenting on something that she's posted. My point more was that it remains taboo. Mm. It, you know, it's like we've been saying in this whole erotic cinema series. It's the it's the retention of the taboo when it's convenient. Yes. Yeah. You know? This whole, this is like, basically, this is so interesting about taboo. It really is. Like, it's it's very interesting. And I'm like, I'm actually a bit surprised. It's very interesting, like, glance into mainstream America. 
these people are very repressed I think a lot of the people in the I story think so. oh my god okay so the thing I'm really enjoying is like get some guy who went to acting class with oh him. god <laughs> and like they keep like coming back to him and like you know and he's like he's talking about like you know the marriage and like the film roles and every time it's like sir who are you like, like he's not an authority on army hammer no, he's he literally like, just a guy who took an acting took class an acting with him class. he didn't even go to acting school he right went, he took an acting class it's just like the caliber of people like especially quite a mixed caliber because they got Gloria Allred but I'm also a bit suspicious of Gloria Allred now like that YouTube that was not okay that. it's a very mixed bag of people as you said Gloria Allred which is a coup to get for your doc totally and then the dude from acting class and then like, the dude and, and then Army Hammer's aunt oh yeah Army Hammer's aunt who I mean she's like got some good she's got some like fun energy to be honest because she seems like well anyway we'll find out we'll find out in part two yeah but so far this is chaotic this is very very chaotic and um, (laughs) very chaotic and unintentionally interesting yeah definitely unintentionally extremely revealing i don't even no one here knows what what actually is being communicated but it's like incredible but if like that happened what happens to that woman happened as those text messages describe and as she describes like yeah i have no idea why charges haven't been pressed exactly that's, that's insane like, to me that guy's a fucking rapist yeah no and i don't think like it's yeah it is very interesting and like the, the girl the like nice vanilla girl like makes a good point where she's like the wrong things got talked about even in our podcast episode i will admit <laughs> like, yeah, well at that point that's that's that was the story that was being reported that also she- i do think like the reason that we wanted to do it was like the like the the symbolism of like wanting to eat someone it was just it was irresistible to us of course like and i do think it's actually very meaningful if you really want like a psychological psychoanalytic profile on this guy and also i do find like the way that she describes it like i actually think that what he's doing to these women has been mischaracterized as love bombing you know that's, yeah. that's like what basically like what this documentary wants to do is it wants to paint a picture of like what we know in 2022 about abusive relationships and like so it's got a lot of kind of buzzwords like that and so she describes like him caught like having like 22 missed calls from him and like him like you know being upset when she like goes to the hamptons and he's in her town and all of that kind of stuff mm. and it's painted like it's got the sinister music over it and it's like I don't think that's love bombing. I do believe in love bombing. Me too. But I don't think that's love bombing. I think that's the that's someone who who's like deeply fucking insecure and like desperate for like. And she says she says to, she says like I also think she's being kind of made to feel stupid when she doesn't need to be. She says like I thought he wanted an intimate co- like, connection mm-hmm. and like how dumb I was. And it's like you're not dumb. No, he very much does. Of course he does. Yeah. Of course he just doesn't. He has no way of knowing how to go about it. Yeah. He misunderstands his own impulses and urges Mm. he hasn't come to terms with his own desire it's like we said this is the blind leading the blind yeah 100 percent. and you're right she in that instance the the filmmakers were trying to they sort of set her up to look bad even though she was onto something yeah no she seems like a like thoroughly sensible person she's like runs a business i don't quite understand what that business is but um she runs a business yeah she's like she like has some I'm not I'm not even saying this in a slightly shady way like she has some great like surgery oh yeah she looks good she looks amazing she looks amazing like she like she makes me want to immediately go out and get <laughs> I've been thinking about it a lot recently I actually do love I love like looking at a documentary for like, like glossy women oh me like too like her and the model girl and like Gloria Allred with yeah. the fucking like amazing makeup she looks amazing 
everyone looks great in this documentary. Yeah. And but they're like they're being made to look a little stupid. I, I agree. Think. And they shouldn't be because they're they're like great women. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Yeah. I I think the thing that bothered me the most in part one was that t- judgmental tone around yeah. rape fantasies. Yeah, it's just I think it's that like they really took yeah. They felt like they didn't have quite enough for a documentary and so they had to like have this I just don't like is it a performance? Are these people really so shocked by like by these things? I can totally understand like they if they find it a bit th- I can understand finding it like disgusting or uncomfortable because I think it does make some people really uncomfortable. And, like, I think that's interesting in itself, but, like, you know, not for me to psychoanalyze people. Sure. But, like, I think there's, like, a difference between being uncomfortable and being, like, shocked that something even exists. Exactly. That's, like, that seems extremely naive. And that's what I liked about the blonde, the vanilla yeah. girl. She did that really sweet thing. She's, like, you know, she's, like, crying and she's, like, remembering this very humiliating experience. And then she says, if that's the kind of thing you like, more power to you. And I thought that was such a sweet thing to yeah. say about, like, an experience that made you feel, like, really, really uncomfortable and really upset. I thought that was very charitable of her. It's very charitable. And it, like, and I think that's, like, a great response. But it's the people that, like, have obviously never done something like that in their lives are like that are like really shocked by it that is it's a categorical rejection that anyone else dare ever like something like this and i think that is more indicative of a wider culture it is this is a very american culture of like decent people do not do things exactly that are weird you know and like so, army like, hammer said i wouldn't do this to my wife i respect her exactly like this is like the kind of thing where like community leaders have to like pretend they're not gay right and stuff like that like this is like where taboo is like basically drives people completely underground like revealing something not that shocking or uh, at all can no. like, ruin people's careers it's so, it's so unfortunate because this kind of thing gets internalized and actual trauma is then handed down from there exactly and it's also so weird that like it's in a country where like if you like cheat on your wife Hmm. like if you have like penis in vagina sex with your fucking like secretary Hmm. like it doesn't upset or shock people but like if you like listen to like heavy metal while you do it you're a devil worshiper yeah exactly it's like it's so like it's so hypocritical and strange speaking of secretary oh yes okay i knew that we'd miss something Did I not say, that's the thing, people don't feel comfortable discussing what they want to do. They say, have you seen Secretary? You literally said it last week. I literally said it, and that's what he did. Like, I loved, I did like it. She was like, oh yeah, and actually we did reject that. Like, I did like that girl, but when she was like, she she showed me this film where a guy trains this woman to be submissive. Not true. But actually, thinking about that... Mm. I don't think that's her interpretation of the film. I reckon that's what Army Hammer said to her. Uh, I think that's Army Hammer's interpretation of the film. I think Army Hammer has profoundly misunderstood the film Secretary. Wow. I think you might be right. Yeah. Like, Army Hammer thinks that it's a film. Army Hammer's projecting himself. Yeah. Army Hammer thinks it's a film where an evil man <laughs> has trained an unwilling, innocent woman to be into BDSM. <laughs> Because that is like how Army Hammer sees himself. Yeah. It like because Army Hammer cannot comprehend that a woman who is a good person mm. could be into that. That would be incompatible. You yeah. wouldn't have a decent woman have those kinds of dark desires. Exactly. Decent is the word that I've been trying to find. Like decent. That's like 
you know, there's this idea of decency, <laughs> especially in America. I don't think you have it here no. so much. Um, That's why I moved here. Yeah. Because I want to be among my fellow perverts. You're a refugee, <laughs> my friend. <laughs> I was a pervert refugee. You were a pervert refugee. Like, and you're welcome here. <laughs> the land of perverts. <laughs> Finally, I am home. <laughs> You're so right. That is yeah. how he taught her to view That's, the film. Yeah, he's just like, this is what happens in the film. And she's like, obviously repeating it back. But like, if wow. she were to watch Secretary again, like separate from him. But I do think like when she's saying she's like, I lost bodily autonomy. I lost control of my life. I don't think that's true. Mm. I think that that's like what women feel like they have to say when like a guy treats them badly. Sure. Because it's, like, incomprehensible to them that they could like the person that treated them badly. Exactly. And that's, like, that's just something we have to fucking unlearn. I think yeah. this idea people are, like, black and white and they're either, like, abusers or they're your boyfriend. Yeah. Like, it's the same fucking Madonna Hall complex. It is. Like, just... But we just, we have it with men. Like, men are either, like, abusers or they're, like, husband material. <laughs> as if, like, they can't have, like, trauma of their own. So well said. Yeah. So let's watch part two. Yeah, let's do it. And then we'll do a post-mortem. Yeah. Okay. Alright, we're back. Okay, we're we, more than halfway through. Yeah. Last one. We've just watched part two of the Army Hammer documentary. Okay, initial thoughts. Um, interesting again, um, like obviously like a really unhappy family. Yeah. But like what happens at the end kind of like changes my mind about the entire thing. Well, not quite at the end, but that's like a whole setting us up for episode three. So basically you have the story of this family who are Russian family come over from Russia like or with like affiliates to like the KGB and the Communist Party and I don't really understand because I thought like communism was supposed to be about like redistributing wealth but it just like appears to be like incredibly corrupt so Mm -hmm. they like give the like great grandfather like loads of money to come over here and like spread communism in the US and then when like that isn't lucrative for him anymore he tries to distance himself from his like Russian background Mm. going so far as to try and like have a paternity test to like prove that his son isn't his yeah um so that's really dark um then there's like a grandfather so yeah he's like the grandfather that like controls everyone like records them and like he's Armand Hammer Hammer. Mm -hmm. who was named after the the Soviet symbol yeah the arm and the hammer the arm and the hammer that's crazy it's amazing or the toothpaste <laughs> or the toothpaste mm-hmm. so um, he had Julian yep so he had Julian with a Russian wife yes and then he had another wife who was crazy according to him crazy alcoholic who like divorced him and said that he was like sort of ritualistically cruel to her yeah um, and then um, the then Julian no wait is that is it Julian his son yeah um, beats up his wife. Yes. Until she, like, finally escapes him, and then they, like, rinse her in the divorce courts. Yeah. And, like, basically leave her destitute. Um, and then he, like, starts, has, like, this lifestyle of, like, partying and drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, like, children witness. 
and they find like pornographic photographs. Mm-hmm. I did think like her description of it was a bit like far-fetched when she was like I agree you know people were like touching each other and kissing each other so it's like kind of like an orgy and it's like that's not like an orgy no actually like and it's like awful to find like pornographic pictures of your parents when you're a child and it's like (laughs) obviously very very traumatic and it's not great that they're taking loads of cocaine in front of you but um it's not the same as like being in an orgy no and your parents (laughs) yeah because the way it had been set up previously was that they were into some twisted sadistic sexual practices yeah. and I'm not convinced that's been the case no I just think he like had a lot of like young girlfriends and also like, they keep being like and really young and it's like okay but it's the 70s yeah exactly like, you know context matters it does actually yeah it does like and so and then like this guy also shot someone killed oh someone God. and got away with it and it seems like there was like a bribe yeah i mean i actually i'd like a fact check on that frankly me too because i think that was kind of like it was just kind of dropped in a it very was dropped in and yeah like, sorry, sorry like where's the evidence here yeah. I, like i just i really it annoys me when things like this people like say stuff in a documentary and then like there's no back like there's no evidence to back it up exactly um so i'm sure it's possible but i don't like i'd like to see yeah, if anything, that sh- if, if that were really true, then it should have been centered a lot more yeah. in the story. And the way that it was just casually mentioned. Exactly. I like, thought, he like, it was- just, like it says like, you know, he spent like this amount of money and then this guy got off. But it could have just been like he bought, he got him really good lawyers. Exactly. So I don't think that's like, it's not okay that like rich people get away with things because they can afford better representation. But it's not the same as like you give a judge some money and your son gets off. Exactly. Um, but yeah, this isn't, I don't, I'm going to say that I don't think we'll be seeing a fact checker in these credits. No. So we'll see. It seems like there's a lot of stuff that is being said in a hyperbolic way. Yes, there is. And a lot of like things being equated with other things and they're not the same thing. No, they're not the same thing. Or it's just said as like a recollection from the perspective of a, of a youngster. Yes. Which often will just be very exaggerated and probably like a distortion from fa- facts that really took place. Yeah, I mean, like she describes these photographs. Yeah. And like there are no photographs in the documentary because no. obviously like these photographs are lost. Mm. It's like, I'm sorry, you can't like, I can't, you can't expect that the photograph that you saw when you were like 10, like that you've recalled, that you've recalled it correctly in your mind. It also sounds like she was like it's like a photograph of like one of the girlfriends giving a blowjob and then like him in the background watching. <laughs> I'm just like I actually don't think you could fit all of that into a Polaroid. No, I I like, it doesn't seem correct. No, so no. like I mean I'm sure it's a photograph of a girl giving a blowjob and that's horrible. Yeah, like just find that when you're a little kid. Yeah, exactly. It's always gonna be uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean listen, even just stumbling on like the most basic sex had between parents is is going to be like disturbing of course yeah it's a primal scene and no you know it's uncomfortable it's it's embarrassing it's you know it can feel actually like a quite a violent occurrence exactly you don't understand you don't know what it is is. it's an encounter that you're not you're never going to be prepared for Mm -hmm. but i just feel like the way that the documentary is framing her statements is it's just giving it an unfair amount of credence it is and i think what they're trying to do is they're trying to like 
um, foreshadow whatever they're going to tell us in the third part. Yeah. And it's the same with what they did with Army Hammer, where, like, it's like they try to use this text to foreshadow, like, what happened with these women, but they don't. No. Because they're actually... I mean, they're connected. It implies that anyone that has, like, a violent sexual fantasy is going to commit rape, and that anyone who, like, you know, takes a lot of drugs and, like, has a lot of girlfriends at the same time as having children is going to sexually abuse their kids. It's like, these two things aren't really connected. No. Like, they, they're connected for these people. Like, so, you know, psychologically, they're connected. Yeah. But, like, it doesn't... It's not like that. Like, no. Like, I'm sure, like, plenty of our parents, like, took drugs yeah, and, like, had a lot of sex, had casual sex and, like, they didn't abuse us. Exactly. So, like, it's trying... It's, ex- it's exactly as you said. It's trying to make a cause and effect relationship mm-hmm. between things that are just kind of very tenuously correlated. Yeah. It's like, the tr- it's trying to imply that it's like the Venn diagram is a perfect circle and it's just not. It's really not. It's like, it's yeah. just like these are all gateways to things and they're not. Like... Yeah. Again, with the kind of like moralistic, judgmental, you know, suppositions that I'm sorry, it's just based on opinions. Yeah. It's really centered around this, person's basically her book yes which is something to do with like her whole book casey hammer army hammer's aunt is centered around you know her family history and she's like describing what she believes is you know abusive patterns of behavior throughout generations in her family and she's correct she is correct about that Mm -hmm. she's totally correct what i found really interesting is that when she talks about her brother michael yeah Army's bro- Army's father. It it really leaned like her narrative really leaned into him being like, you know, a promiscuous guy. He slapped yeah. around, and again, that is y- utilized as a way of saying, and therefore he's a, he was an indecent man. Yeah, and I just think, you know, I'm not I'm not really sure that's fair. It's not fair. Like, I don't think... It doesn't seem like he's done anything wrong apart from had a lot of girlfriends in college. Yeah. And then he's also cheated on his wife. Yeah. Which, like, is not good, but it's not abusive. No. It doesn't mean you're, like, a violent person. No. It means that you, like, again, possibly have, like, a bit of a Madonna whore complex. Yeah, exactly. Um, But, like... And then, of course, we find out. Mm-hmm. And it's presented as if we're going to feel sorry for this woman. Yeah. But they have, you know, the Armand... First of all, like, I just, I do find it really funny when people, like... Obviously, it is very surreal when someone, like, with a ver- with a huge amount of power and influence in your family, like, a sort of very powerful centre of your family dies. It is, like, a shock. Yeah. But, like, when she's like, it was just so surreal. It's like, the man was in his 90s. Like, why is it surreal that he died? Yeah, exactly. Like, he was going to die eventually. He was going to die. And, um... Then they go to the reading of the will, mm-hmm. and so she's sort of talking about how her f- her brother Michael didn't get along with their father, mm. and that she felt she saw like a power struggle in between them, and that Michael maybe in revenge or like tried to get close to the grandfather in order to like make his father angry, mm. basically try to kind of overtake him in the pecking order, and it's like. Okay, but I still don't think that makes him a bad person. No. Like, a lot of people are actually closer to their grandparents than they are to their parents. It's typical. Like, it's very typical. Yeah. Like, especially if, like, you know, your grandfather, like, exerts so much power over your life. Like, you would be really drawn to them. Like, this idea that, like, we should judge our family members in this, like, unbiased way is mm. crazy. Yes. Like of, like, of course people are, like, ambivalent. Like, people will, like, know that they're, like, 
parents did something bad to them and they'll still love them. Yeah. And I'm sure like there was, you know, it sounds like there was a lot of like bad stuff going on in that family. There's probably a lot of love as well. Yeah, of course. I'm sure like it wasn't just like hellish all the time. Like No. Um anyway, and so they they get to the reading of the will and she has and so this guy has like it's sort of unclear how much fortune he has because Mm. he's valued like having like 40 million or something Mm -hmm. maybe and like maybe that's like downgraded from the billions they thought he had I'm not totally sure or he didn't have 40 million he'd like given some away it's unclear who he gave it away to it doesn't charity in which case that's great it's, isn't that interesting how they're like we thought he was a billionaire but it turned out he only had 40 million because yeah. he gave away his money who too i know oh like i actually i'm not totally sure about like the amount like or if but anyway he had like a lot of money and he gave he had money in in the millions and he gave her two hundred and fifty thousand, and this and his son julian five hundred thousand, and then he left the rolls royce and his entire estate to michael and his Wife. Um, religious beautiful straight-laced wife <laughs> and but and she's basically like how could michael do this to us and it's like i don't know if he did anything like he just no. he just like inherited the money yeah like, it was the not... it was armand's decision to do that yeah and it's also like he's just like and we were out on the streets it's like girl <sighs> you had two hundred and fifty thousand dollars that you did not earn exactly like, I am not sitting here feeling sorry for you. I know. Like, it's in, on the street. Like, how dare you use that kind Call of language? Call me a river. Like, you just... Get a got, job. Get a job. Exactly. Like, the way that she was also weeping about it, it was actually really pathetic. And I I lost a lot of respect. Yeah. She, she basically was trying to insinuate that... She, she, she mentioned Succession and she yeah. said, I tried to watch that show, but I could only get past like three episodes only because it, she was like, it was disgusting how it just reminded me of our, my family relations and all the brown nosing and backstabbing and like jockeying for position. But it's like, you know that that happens in every family yeah like maybe not to the to yeah, that like, scale not to, like the stakes aren't as high no but, of like course. of course there's loads of jockeying position because it's like it's an inherently competitive thing like there's always like a scarcity mm-hmm. it's often not always it's yeah. often a scarcity of like a t- well i would say there's always a scarcity of attention in families of because course. people are like have busy lives yeah and like they're they have limited divided attention yeah. spans you know and so, like, there's all everyone has this feeling that, like, maybe they like their parents aren't as proud of them as they could be, or like they don't love them as much, or they don't love them for themselves. All of these, all of these things happen in families. I think, like, being, I really think, have being like, ex- being taken out. This is the thing I've never understood about succession. Like, like if someone offered me, like, if someone, if I was part of that family and I got like a chunk of money. I would fucking take it and leave. Absolutely. Like, it's like the best thing that could possibly happen to you to be, like, stripped of your, like, debilitating wealth, actually. Yeah. Like, it's fine. It's, you know, like, and then, so, like, she's sort of presented as this, like, black sheep who was, like, you know, spoken out against the family. But would she have spoken out against the family if she didn't get that $250,000? Absolutely not. No, if she had been the one in the position of inheriting the larger sum, mm. there's no way she would have written that biography no about her way. family. She no wouldn't way. have exposed them like that. The fact that she revealed that, you know, will and testament uh, occurrence, the way that it's presented in the show, I don't know if the filmmakers are aware even again, but it just 
totally outlines her motive. Yeah. This is what she's angry about. And she's just trying to seek revenge for what she perceives to be something bad, bad done to her by her family. She's interpreting the outcome of the will as a rejection. The yes. fact that she was neglected and not given the attention that she thought she deserved. She felt in competition with her, with her brother, Michael, and that she interpreted that he was just like declared the prince of the family. And also that his son, Army, yeah. was now the golden child or whatever. Yeah, and he like kicked her shin once. He was a kid. Um, I mean, I like I'm with her. Like kids are awful. Yeah. Um. But like, and they can be like you know, like kids can really fucking hurt your feelings sometimes. Yeah. Like I know that you're not supposed to take them seriously because like their brains aren't developed. But like <laughs> they can do some really mean shit without realizing. So I do. I understand that. But like, um, and I don't think it means like her book is any less true. Like sort of unwittingly, she's done a really good thing, which is like to not let the secrets of this family be buried with them. Sure. I think it's great, but, like, unfortunately, her motive stems more from, like... And it's, like, it's a failing of the family that, like, love is expressed through money. Yeah. And she feels unloved because she wasn't given any money. But, like, you know, I think it's, like, the best thing that could possibly have happened to her, and she doesn't realise that. Exactly. And if anything, she's continuing to attach herself, like, chain herself to the drama of this family Mm. by basically sustaining the conflict... Through this narrative, I think. I think so too. I know. Actually, something else that really interested me is like, she is like, I don't know. I don't know what she's going to say about him in the third episode. But in Mm. the first episode, she says like, you know, and now, you know, it continues with Army. He's doing these terrible things. Mm -hmm. Like, I really do think, um, like, it's different in Army's case. And I think like that she sort of, she says, she like, establishes this like pattern of like entitlement people thinking they can get away with stuff because they've got money people who think they can like pay people off and i don't think that what army hammer is doing is out of entitlement i think it's out of shame i agree and like if he was fucking smarter he would have paid those women off and none of this would be happening to him exactly but he didn't because i really 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 think the army hammer wanted to get caught yeah like he like sending those messages to those women like from his verified account from his verified account like he's like crying out for some fucking intervention like he's he's not this is not the same thing this is not like i know that he's like beach you know he's treated like the golden child and he's like you know he's but he's like an immature idiot yeah he really he's is like you know he's got this like just dis- these disgusting fucking ideas about women mm. he's like he's totally messed up but i actually don't think it's out of entitlement and thinking no. that you can just get away with stuff i think it's really out of like extreme like repression and denial of who he is and yeah i don't actually think it's fo- i actually don't think it's following a pattern no like i think it's like it's something that's happened like obviously there's some really fucking it sounds like there's some really bad sexual stuff that's gone on in this family yeah and probably his feelings towards like his sexuality like and the shame about it stem from all of this like crazy stuff mm. so it's obviously like caused by the family but i don't think it's the same as like being bred to be like a rapist in the no. way that like they're implying I don't think so. I don't. That's not how it rings to me at all. No. I think that on some deep level, he knows he's in trouble. Yeah. But he's not consciously admitted that. So the reckless behavior of basically le- leaving a trail of evidence 
is, as you exactly said, he's crying out for an intervention. He's desperate for people to, like, kind of catch him out in his weird, like, dysfunctional habits. Yeah. And almost like kind of throw him a lifeline because he doesn't know how to do that no and it actually makes it even sadder that he has like he seems to have fucking gotten away with his crime i know like because exactly and on top of that the narrative of the kind of shaming judgmental attitude it's like it's just gonna make him do these things again it's just continuing it's literally just continuing and there is there's been no stock taking of those beliefs and attitudes that we hold. Mm -hmm. It's exactly as you said, like when you mentioned the line in Succession where Logan turns to Roman and says, are you queer? Yeah. That's the real like stigma. That is the real stigma. It's like, you you know, you can lie and cheat your way in business and you can like step over people and and basically commit financial fraud. Who cares? But but are you queer? But are you queer? Yeah. (laughs) And actually, that comes up in this documentary. She says, um, they, like, get the, like, a great, like, uh, girl who was the cleaner in Julian's house mm-hmm. and who dated him um, while her, like, baby was small and, like, eventually left him because he, like, fired off a gun near the fucking, oh like, God. baby. Um, terrifying. <laughs> and she says that she went to a bar with him and he was, like, flirting with guys and she realized it was a gay bar. Mm. And she, like, got upset and ran out. And, like, to be fair, to be, like, fair, she doesn't say it in, like, a stigmatizing no. way. She says, like, I just got, you know, I just got engaged to this guy. Right. And he, like, took me to some place and flyed with people in front of me. And it was, you know, it was guys and I didn't understand it. And I didn't, sure. you know. That's fair enough. And that's fair enough. But, like, the documentary wants us to think, like, this guy is a psychopath. Like, he's a pervert because he's, like, in because he's, like, maybe bisexual or bicurious. Exactly. And it's like, I'm sorry, I don't really see this as... Like, I, I don't understand why we're supposed to see, like, that he's an awful person. Yeah. Because he took his, like, girlfriend to a gay bar and tried to get her, like, to, you know, tried to get her, like, involved. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's, you know, like, these things are, like, being presented next to each other. Like, it's the like, insinuation. you know, like, the guy fired off a gun. Terrible. The guy went to a gay bar. Fine. Yeah. Of course. Like, the insinuation in this documentary is out of control. Yeah, it really is. It like, really I cannot is. believe what it is, what they're suggesting. It's. I'm normally not someone who goes around announcing that I'm, like, sex positive. I have some issues with that terminology. Yeah. But I, I, I confidently, I'm here to tell you that this documentary is very sex negative. It's very sex negative. It's very, very strange. <laughs> Um, yeah and then it just part two finishes on a very loaded sort of moment where Casey Hammer Armie's aunt is asked whether her dad sexually abused her yeah and you get another one of those things from that blonde girl I should stop calling her that blonde girl but you know what I mean the vanilla girl and she's like you know and he took me to dinner with his mother and oh, yeah. she said something in front of me that I should never have heard. And it's like, are you going to not tell us that too? <sighs> because maybe you shouldn't be the one telling the stories if you can't like tell, if you can't say things out loud. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. This documentary is bonkers. It's so bonkers, but I'm really glad we're watching it. Yeah, I am too. On to part three. On to part three. <laughs> <laughs> We 
just watched part three. An explosive final episode. Yeah. I'm exhausted. Yeah, there were a few humdingers in that one. Oh my god, we got some Prince Charles. We got some recovered memory therapy. Yeah. We got some. We got a dominatrix. Yes. <laughs> um, and her then her analysis. And a very cultish rehab center. <gasps> Oh my god. With some very, very questionable methodologies. Yes. But I want to start by ask. I wanted to start by asking you, what do you think about Army Hammer's side of the story? Do you think he'll ever come forward and actually share what, what he believes happened? I mean, I don't think it... I mean, I think it would be interesting if he did, mm. but I don't think that what he will say will be true. Mm-hmm. Um, because, I mean, for a start, like, it, I really am convinced he's committed a crime. Yeah. And he's not going to admit that again. Um, no, let's, well, let's hope he does. But, like, you know, for, like, his own fucking self-preservation, he'd be an idiot if he had, like, admitted yeah. it. It'd be a good thing if he did. So, but I also think, like, his idea of himself is so obscured by, like, all of this repression and shame and, like, self-mythologization and family bullshit that I don't think we get, like, a very clear idea of, like, what actually happens i don't think he really knows or understands himself i think actually we probably understand army hammer better than even army hammer himself does i think I, so like, i'm sorry I, I know that's like talking ourselves up but i think we've got like i personally think we've got the clearest idea of what's going on i do as well i feel like because we've applied the psychoanalytic principles yeah. to this story we've gained insight that none of the filmmakers of this have bothered to look at no we've got like let's do you want to talk about the dominatrix yeah let's do it Okay, so, like, she, like, they get her to, like, analyse it and Mm. to basically analyse, like, how sort of far outside the, like, principles and, like, rules of BDSM Army Hammer has stepped. And obviously he's, like, stepped very far outside the rules and principles. Like, you know, um, I think, like, it's a very, it's an interesting community, the BDSM community, because, like, in one sense, like, they're, you know, what they're doing is kind of great because, like, they're keeping people safe and, like, happy but I also think, like, they're sort of doing what we were talking about in the previous episode about Taboo. They're kind of, like... Like, they're living in this world of where, like, you can you can live your life without... Exactly. Like, Taboo. And I, dis- I disagree. I disagree. Like, I think the unconscious will always rise up. Even if always. you have, like... Even if you apply a huge amount of, like, rules and safety precautions and safe word, the unconscious has no safe word. Nope. <laughs> and like well it's it's a great it's a great idea to like be open and to like have a lot of communication and a lot of consent i'm obviously not saying that's a bad no. thing but i think like we maybe they maybe expect too much from I, those yeah like it's a great it's a great great guidelines but like you can't stop people doing things that even they themselves don't understand absolutely at the end of the day, you can have menus of options, consult with your partners and say, what do you feel comfortable doing? You can go through all the safety procedures, but at the end of the day, there will be slippages that you are simply not in control of. Exactly. Because you're not conscious of them. Exactly. And people are like human beings and they slip up and yeah. they make mistakes and they do like really bad things. We all do like really bad, horrible things to each other sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, like, her interpretation, because she says, like, what he's doing, like, is not, are not, like, true BDSM practices, Mm. her interpretation of that is that he is deliberately selecting women inexperienced in BDSM 
so that he can break the rules with them and they won't realize it. And I don't think that's the case. Absolutely. I hardly, I highly disagree with her on that. And I think, and actually, and then that it comes up again when we talk again to Courtney, whose name I've like finally learned after three episodes Mm -hmm. and Paige. Yeah. And they, you know, and also the other girl, the artist girl, and they like, you know, they sort of pick out like, they're basically kind of rewriting these relationships, in my opinion, to be like, you know, this is the moment where he like learned this information about me so that he could use it again later. And I honestly, I don't think it was that considered. Same. Like, and I know, and I totally understand, like when you're like, when you're being victimized by someone, and I totally like feel this, it does feel like they are like, 100% doing everything they're doing on purpose. Yeah. Like, it really feels like they are planning how to destroy you. Oh, yeah. But of- often it just is that you've come face to face with a person who is, like, doing what they need psychologically to survive. Yes. And, like, it's not actually really personal to you and it's not something that they're planning on doing. And I think that's actually something we've got really wrong about this, like, current narrative we have about abusers. <laughs> this idea that they like have some kind of master plan mm-hmm. whereas like actually all they're doing is trying to like avoid their own fucking narcissistic wounds exactly like, all the time like, all the I, don't, time. I really really don't think he's like how he's like plotting like how can i choose the perfect victim people just do that instinctively like i just really don't think it's as that there's anyone out there that is so machiavellian no, there's not that much premeditation. No. You know what? Like, I, mm. I even think it's possible that he, like, credits himself as being, like, a master manipulator. Like, because it does feel like he started off as, like, quite a clumsy, like, he started off doing this quite clumsily. And it does seem that he's, like, developed kind of a repertoire and a yeah. routine. And, like, maybe he's sort of, like, cast himself more in, like, the villain archetype as he's, like, gone on. But... He's, I, he's still he's like he's obviously not in control of what he does because he like tells on himself constantly he makes constantly. all these like stupid mistakes so like even if people sometimes even if people think that they're like you know that they're choosing victims and they're doing all of this stuff like they're still gonna like they're still not really in control of no. their like of their actions no in the same way that we're all kind of not really in control like we have to take responsibility for them at the end of the day I'm not saying like he's not responsible I'm not I just want to like I know that probably the audience has Productions podcast doesn't think that for I'm sure. I'm not saying that he's not responsible. I'm not saying he shouldn't be punished, but I'm saying that he's not planning out how to like abuse women. No, he is caught up in the shame and guilt of his own impulses. Yeah, and he feels more comfortable, kind of like uh, I guess overwhelming, uh, vanilla kind of princessy girls mm. because they're repulsion confirms the shame that he's internalized that's what is familiar to him yeah that's what he continues to seek out because that reassures him that he was right all along believing that he was disgusting shameful you know full of filth and stuff yeah if he sits down and admits his own desire to himself like has a true kind of confrontation with his wants and, and impulses, and then says, you know what, this is actually what I do want, and I'm going to go and seek out ladies who want to participate with that in that with me willingly, and they, they're going to be enjoying it, and they're going to be, like, thriving, and we're going to have this, like, blossoming sex, sexual experience. 
that's not you know he, he hasn't reached that level of self-confidence okay. and self-reassurance to go seek that out he's still unfortunately very much in the throes of shame and guilt yeah he's a very confused he's like, I have person to, like, trick these women into like you know i have to like trick and control these women exactly like, rather than like yeah I exactly mean, he's I think... he's not a proud bdsm practitioner no. he is extremely guilty and frankly i have to this is where i have to bring up this sex throne yeah because it was mentioned that was it who was it uh which member of the family was it julian it was julian julian had a sex throne apparently and it had the family crest um, 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 embossed really totally on it i don't understand the structure of this alleged <laughs> sex throne me neither there's a meat hook attached to it there's a cage where ladies go in and are kept as slaves or whatever but but in the reported um photograph that exists of the sex throne the woman is smiling yeah like the woman's like head is like sticking out of the throat it sounds more like a human toilet than a sex throne if i'm gonna get like really yeah. pedantic with yeah. these kinds of things but anyway yeah but yeah like there was a picture of like him sitting on it and a woman's head is out like out of it and like he's like they're both smiling yeah it's like again again I don't see a problem. I don't see a problem. <laughs> it's the documentary's tone that yeah. this is shameful and like absolutely repulsive. How could they have a sex throne? It's it's the imposition of the morals and the judgment yeah. on that practice that continues the entire kind of like atmosphere in, in which these kinds of things just continue to like, you know, these this shame and guilt continues to be fostered. But yeah, I really do have the pr a problem with this, like, with this word abuser, actually. Yeah, me too. Like, it really, it's just like, it really, it's really dehumanizing and weird that we, yeah. like, that some, and it also means that you can't have, like, nuanced breakups. Like, mm. and I really think it bleeds out into, like, general society. It's not just, like, famous people. No. But, like, I, I think, I, I don't know, we're just, like, so in denial about, like, how much shame is caused by, like, even a breakup, like, how, like, there can only be, like, one innocent party in a relationship it seems like like in a relationship where there are two very very damaged people mm -hmm. and like i and it also means and like i think the all the opposite of it i'm not just like standing up for so-called abusers the opposite is if you are with an abuser then that you must be a victim yes and that's but also so damaging it's like again like women are just like forced to live with this often women like forced to live with this label for the rest of their lives if like if you've been with an abuser like if, with an abuser like mm -hmm. what does that make you and it's terrible yes it is like which brings me to the point of the fact that courtney yeah. we learned that she goes to rehab and it's never clear what led that. I mean, did she say what she went to rehab I for? I think like they just call like um like a like a psychiatric a private sure. psychiatric unit rehab. And she was America. diagnosed with PTSD. Yeah, right. And trauma. And which trauma. I think is a funny diagnosis. I know. It is. Yeah, strange. <laughs> and then we learned that her therapist at this center, this treatment center, is repeatedly telling her. No, no, making. Her, her repeat. That's it. Making her repeat this crazy mantra, which is, I was used, abused, and abandoned. Yeah. Like, over and over again. What the fuck? Guys, when, you, when I tell you that both me and Sarah, our jaws dropped when we heard that, this methodology is unconscionable. It's terrible. Like, the 
poor, poor woman. How can you do that to someone? Like, especially like when they've said that they were in a relationship where they felt that they were controlled. Mm-hmm. Like, how can you do that to be like, <gasps> repeat after me? Like, this is your identity. Right. You're used, abused, and abandoned. What the fuck is that? That's so toxic. It's so bad. There is like so much fucking rogue therapy. Yeah. Should we talk about the big one? Yes. Let's... Okay. Like, I actually want to give a warning here because, mm. like, I think what we're going to say is like, is like maybe a controversial statement mm. because I know that there's like a lot of debate on this sure. topic. And if you like, if it, if like a sort of childhood abuse is something that like is triggering to you or like you have, or you get like upset about, mm. I think like don't listen because I don't know if Naomi and Mary are going to say the expected thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but like we are really coming from a place of like, we, we know we're not, like psychi- like psycho psychiatric professionals, but we like read up and we do know. Like, yeah, we you know we do do our research and we care about the agency of the individual. Yeah, exactly. So, um, what's she called? The aunt, Casey. Casey says that she went to therapy at, after she was um, cut out of the will with a mere two hundred fifty thousand pounds, <sighs> and said that she was Armand Hammer's granddaughter and that she was really fucked up. And she wanted help. And in therapy, she started having memories of ch- of sexual abuse perpetrated by her father. Mm-hmm. And like, as soon as she said in therapy, I started having, we, we both went, <gasps> red flag. Yeah. Okay. So like, it's, you know, it's debated, mm-hmm. but like, there's a school of people that believe that memories that, traumatic memories can be repressed and entirely forgotten Mm -hmm. and then recovered later in therapy Mm -hmm. and there is another school of people who think that isn't the case no and that memories recovered in therapy are likely to have been implanted during the therapy and it does seem like it was around the time that recovered memory therapy was very popular and a lot of people were having memories of sexual abuse that they had never consciously known about before mm-hmm. it was exactly at that time exactly w- yeah. when she sought the treatment it was at the height of that yeah. the practice that became very widespread and was very very controversial it also bears mentioning that what led her to go into therapy was that she'd um tried at her hand at acting Yes. And she was re- she was sort of involved in the creation of a scene where she, someone attacks her in her car. And so it's all dramatization. She's working with a male actor and he simulates an attack on her. But in the course of that reenact, you know, that dramatization, um, she responds very aggressively to the actor and actually hurts him physically. Yeah. As if she's having like this very strong reaction to the attack. And... You know, she she then through therapy is led to believe that that dramatization scene triggered something that had occurred for her before. Mm. But my you know my interpretation actually is that all of these things took place after the will reading. She felt neglected by her family. She felt like they had maybe turned on her. She took that and interpreted the what she perceives to be the small sum of money. Mm-hmm quarter of you know quarter of a million dollars as an attack yeah Uh, yeah right she's perceiving that and absorbing that as an attack by her family i wish someone would attack me thus 
Um, yeah, same. Please, like, um, slap, slap me with with two hundred fifty <laughs> right across the face, you know. But, and like, I don't want to laugh because like, mm. there's obviously a chance that it could be true. But like now, like whether it's true or not, this woman's walking around like with like a belief that she was abused. She was sexually abused by her father. Exactly. It's and, terrible. Like it's the way she said she was like, I there must. She was like, um. She was like, I knew that there was a reason that I was fucked up, that I was this fucked up. And it's like, you, babe, you like desperately are like, want a reason why you're fucked up. And it's exactly. like, it's, and you, we all do. And you'll do, exactly. So what, you know, I, I can't help but see it that way, that she was looking and, you know, really searching for something that like symbolized the hurt that she had. Mm-hmm. The, the attack that triggered her, like the, you know, the, the sort of dramatization of the scene being attacked by someone in her car leads to feelings of being aggressed, being like, you know, violated in some way. And then it's suggested to her that she was abused and she, you know, she acquiesces. But I think that narrative very conveniently is able to like serves the function of symbolizing a hurt that she previously couldn't articulate. Yeah. That's all it is. And you know, it's it, it may sound like, you know, it, it may sound like we're trying to deny her lived experience. I'm really not. I'm really not. I I just think that the circumstances of her situation are important to to kind of take take into consideration. I do. And I think like the way that the documentary like the way that she told her story in the documentary is very fuzzy. Yes. Because late she says that this happened during that kind of party time where, mm. like, her father was recently divorced and had a lot of people around and that he shot at... He, like, made her hold a phone book and then shot the phone book, like... And then she ran away and then he came after her. And, I, it, it's actually not really described what happened. No. Um, it's like she ran away and then they say, did your father like sexually abuse you? And she says, yes. And... But she doesn't say what happened. She doesn't say what happened. She says, yes, and that's all I have ever said. And then she says that she asked her mum about it, hoping that her mum would, like, invalidate her story. And her mum said, yes, that did happen to you. It's like, how would you know you were divorced from exactly. him? Exactly. Like, or are we saying that it happened before? Like, it's very fuzzy and very strange. Yeah. And, like, I really think... I, I'm sure that mother feels, like, very guilty for letting her child, like, go and visit her father mm. when he was, like, in his, like, drugs and, like, fucking teenagers. Oh, he was episode. unhinged. There's no question about it. He was out to lunch. Yeah. He was holding a gun against her head. Oh, yeah, she said saying, that. That's awful. That's awful. Like, yeah. that really is horrendous, saying something like... Um, let me look in your eyes and if I think you look possessed I'm gonna shoot you that's interesting to me possession yeah you know like the gun is a phallic object I thought that as well yeah you know I think like the gun's like frightening enough in it's like sexuality actually yeah yeah. it is a very violating very invasive object Um, and you know the possession narrative is, is fascinating as well so would she have then symbolized that erotically? Maybe. Yeah. And it doesn't... Especially because he, like, he very much, like, showed off to, like, his kids. Like, like he basically showed his, like, erotic power to his kids all the time. Exactly. You know, by being like, these are all my women. Like, these are the Polaroids that I leave lying around so you can see them. Like, he very much, like, he very, you know, I think he very much, like, behaved inappropriately. Oh, sure. Absolutely. And, like, you know, and that's very, that's, like, very frightening and very traumatic. Like, when you're, like, you know, your father, like, 
shows off his like libidinal power to you like like fuck that that's no one needs to see that see that and the guns (laughs) are like terrible as well so i'm not saying like it's like the like the poor woman's got like enough reasons to be fucked up absolutely like she like it doesn't have to be sexual abuse no i just you know it's like again it's possible that it did happen Mm -hmm. but i'm like i'm very suspicious of people that say that they recovered Recovered. this memory in therapy because you know memory is like a very shady strange thing it changes all the time and like and they've done experiments they've done like research and they've done like a lot of research with implanting memories and it's very very easy to do people are very vulnerable and you know they can be very suggestible yeah people like can be made to think that they committed crimes absolutely yeah it's it's I don't really know about like repressing memories of trauma, but I think generally if something traumatic happens, it's much harder to forget it than it is to remember it. Yeah. So, yeah. I, and I just think that, again, the way that the documentary is utilizing the report of that memory and trying to then connect it and sew it into the narrative with Army Hammer and the way that like Casey Hammer is then filmed meeting Courtney... And yeah. saying, like, how have you been? How's it been for you? It's, it's again, trying to equate. It is. And it's not the same thing. It's not the same oh, also, thing. Also, there's, like, an intimation that Army Hammer's mother said something about Army Hammer's father being abused. But she actually does. That, is, the, that story's never finished. Yeah. So it's actually not... We're not sure. No, exactly. Again. It just gets dropped. Again she, again, she didn't finish a fucking story. I know. And, <laughs> like, again, it's probably, maybe she did finish it and they just cut it out, but... It's re- like it's really weird. It's really weird, but it's like and yeah, I think like the documentary has just taken advantage of all of these women. I agree so badly, and it, 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 there is not room for nuance here. No. It's not. I mean, you. I can't believe it, but you're so right. Like even like the "Don't Fuck with Cats" documentary, as absolutely bonkers as that was. The, the, it was so well executed it's brilliant like you, you see the full derangement of Luca Magnata but also the people on Facebook as well yeah you know and you can see that everyone is very imperfect and everyone has their own like unconscious motivation that they're unaware of yeah and it leaves room for a lot of like you know just ambivalence but also like somehow communicates the you know the, the the real power of that narrative um whereas here in house of hammer it's using a lot of blunt instruments to carve out a very distorted picture and there's a clear agenda and it's very judgy yeah and um i it didn't sit well with me no it's it's terrible it's a terrible documentary i mean it's like unintentionally like revealing and interesting yes but I mean, I don't, I think people should be very careful with documentaries because I think we're starting to think, like, I think people are starting to think that documentaries are like court cases (laughs) or something where like evidence is presented, but it's not really the case. This was like, there's so much suggested here that really, I mean, like, I guess like court cases can be like this, like, you know defense attorneys can bring all sorts of like shit up and like Mm -hmm. say this equates that like or just leaving this here for you to think about like you know so i guess it is kind of like a court case like a really unscrupulous court case very like i mean the fact that they had a co-worker of army hammer a male 
you know, talking head who was allowed to remain anonymous. His image was blurred. His name was not revealed. He made a lot of claims and yet he gets to hide behind the protection of anonymity. But all the ladies were exposed fully. Yeah. And made, you know. And then he's just like, I just want to like stand up for these women. Oh, bullshit. Whatever. Whatever. You're a coward. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like awful what happened to him as well. Like, but it just sounds like. It doesn't surprise me. It doesn't like frat boy bullying. Yeah. Like, and it's awful. Like, but it's not this. I don't know. It, I don't really know in what way it's related, actually, because <laughs> I really think that Army Hammer's problem is with women. I think so, too. And I don't really under. I, you know, like, it's like, okay, he's also like a dick at work. Yeah, he That's took fine. he took the coworker to a strip club at ten a.m., yeah. which I have to say is very lame and stupid. I mean, everything about like everything about what that co- what that guy said was like. <laughs> I mean, it's like it's. I'm no one is no one is denying that Army Hammer is lame and stupid. No, like that he's like a massive fucking dweeb. He really is. That it's he's embarrassing. Got no, game, no game. That he's really embarrassing, and that he's like severely like fucked up he really is and that he's like hurt a couple of women like, oh yeah very badly and he's not being held accountable for and that he's not being held accountable although actually she did say gloria elrod said um that it's untrue that charges have been dismissed because oh, charges yeah. haven't actually been filed yet so we may see we may still see some future. justice there yeah okay that's um, hopeful but i also didn't like it when when you meant you you commented on this when gloria Alred is talking they're talking about the fans mm. fans are deranged yeah yeah like fandoms are like on the internet are deranged and so they apparently army hammer has fans they did not charmies like charmies um <laughs> I thought he was actually pretty um, a pretty unpopular actor and performer, yeah. but apparently not. He's got like these diehard fans, and they gave these women on these gave these women that came forward like a lot of abuse. A hard time. And Gloria yeah. Elrod is talking about like how dangerous it is to be a woman online, and it's just like then again, why did you do that to your client? Exactly. You threw your them to was, the like, wall. Happily anonymous. And you threw her to the wolves. Yeah. You made her record a teary video. Also, we hear uh, Courtney and Paige sort of like connecting through DMs. Yeah. And they go through their history with Army Hammer and it turns out he's basically like replicated their dates. Yeah. He's taken them to the same motel in the same desert, played the same playlist and acted similarly with them sexually and they were uncomfortable. I would get very upset if someone played that playlist while I would hundred percent that music. It's terrible. It's really terrible. It's very bad. Yeah. But it's like I couldn't help. I couldn't help but think when they were listing out, you know, it's like they were reading out the charge sheet of what he did wrong. Was it abuse? I, I, I can't help but think like maybe he just, maybe they just felt hurt that they didn't have this special moment with yeah. him in the desert. It wasn't this unique experience only shared between the two of them. It was more hurtful to hear that he'd just been copying and pasting the script yeah. with some other girl. He even took them to meet the mother straight after. Know, That's like, very weird. Oh my God, that mother, like... I know. Also, I find it, like, interesting that no one really dug into... I mean, obviously, like, the mother's got her shit tight. Like, oh, yeah. she's, like, very private. But I do think it's very interesting that this Jewish family, this very successful yeah. Jewish family, like were like essentially like converted unwillingly to evangelical christianity 
yeah. by um drew hammer by drew hammer yeah like it's really weird yeah that's dodgy that's dodgy and i do think that the evangelical christianity is like an unexplored untapped interesting yeah. thing because like that's a very shame-based religion as you said yes exactly like what the hell is going on there that's a weird thing and that they like you know took all of that money and like diverted it into like <laughs> Um, donations to like evangelical organizations. Very weird. Oh my god, and Prince Charles. <gasps> oh my King god. King Charles. King Charles, lest we forget. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. God, he's gonna be a problem, isn't he? Damn. Mm. I mean, the connections with Armand Hammer and the seems to be like dodgy meetings and he's been in trouble for taking donations he has been recently so he's been he's always been doing that this is part of a profile already that exists he's a very strange person like there's actually a really great series on you're wrong about about charles and diana really and they gave a very interesting like account of his personality that he's (gasps) just like he's a very sort of strange person with his own little like fixations and obsessions and like and he does he's like he has these like little causes wow that he's like very and he like funnels a lot of like political influence and like money into them he lobbies he lobbies and he shouldn't be he shouldn't shouldn't be be doing that he's supposed to remain neutral yeah he's not neutral he's not neutral at all so (gasps) we're gonna find out more about him i'm sure we've got interesting times ahead and that like armand hammond's involved in watergate and he gets a pardon from george bush i mean how can you pardon someone that's guilty? Exactly. Exactly. It's crazy. It really is. But yeah, going back to those girls, I do I do think it's sinister to take... I think it's sinister to oh, take for two sure. girls on identical dates. But I don't think it's abuse. No. I think it's just like... It's basically a reflection of his, um, I think, like, unhinged behavior. Yeah. That he feels the need to replicate romantic situations... He's going through some kind of weird, like, I don't know, like, Groundhog Day of Intimacy or something. This repetition compulsion, actually. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Um, That is very sinister, extremely questionable, for sure. But is it abuse? No. No, it's not. You know? It's it's being, like, caught out as being a very bad boyfriend. Mm -hmm. Frankly, like... A guy with seriously no game at all. No imagination. And maybe frontal lobe damage. Oh, yeah. He admitted on a talk show that his wife has a theory that he has frontal lobe damage. Yeah. Or like, yeah, which is so interesting because like she seems so smart. Yeah, so smart. His ex-wife. But yeah, like because he doesn't. Because we were saying like he is like he has reckless, reckless, risky behavior. And his wife says that that's maybe due to... That she has a theory he has frontal lobe damage. Like, actually, that's really interesting because, like... I mean, I find, front, I find like, frontal lobe damage so interesting because, like, yeah. it can be caused by psychological trauma. Yeah. It can be caused by an accident. It can be caused by all these kinds of things. And it's what they say psychopaths have. Yeah. Um, but it's very interesting. And I think that's actually... I think that's, she's, that's quite a good theory. Maybe. I think she's onto something. Yeah. And that's yeah. another reason why I don't think we would get, like, a straight answer from him about what happened. No. No, he's not. He's just. You know what? He's profoundly not a sensible man. No, not at all. He's an unreliable yeah. narrator. Let's say he's not ever. He's totally unaware of the gravity of his own situation. Yeah. Like, and he's not really made any efforts to like try and investigate 
Um, I mean, as far as we can tell. So, yeah, I think this probably will just remain a mystery, an enigma. Uh, I'm not sure what's going to happen, whether he'll come back or what exactly like is in store for him in his career. I am kind of curious about this new Luca Guadagnino movie. I know. What the hell are you going to do? Well, it's, um, so it's, it's Timothy Chalamet is in the movie and isn't it about a cannibal? What? Yeah. (laughs) And the director swears that he was not at all influenced by Army Hammer. Let me actually double check this before I can, it's something I think in the title, I think has the word bones in it. Bones and all. Okay. What's the synopsis? Because there was going to be a Call Me By Your Name sequel. I don't think this is it. Okay. Okay. Bones and all, love blossoms between a young woman on the margins of society and a disenfranchised drifter as they embark on a 3,000-mile odyssey through the back roads of America. However, despite their best efforts, all roads lead back to their terrifying past. And a final stand that will determine whether their love can survive their differences. But it's like a cannibal movie. Oh my god, that's amazing. I know. Brilliant. Romantic horror road film. Brilliant. Sounds great. And he swears that it has nothing to do with Army oh, Hammer. Man. But it's like, are you sure about that? <laughs> like, I don't know. Um, but yeah, revealing... Yeah. Um, not as heavy on the cannibalism as I would have liked. This um, Agreed. But, you know, you can't have everything. Yeah, I mean, watch it with a bucket of salt. Yeah. An ocean of salt. Um, and watch it for the things that accidentally get revealed. Mm-hmm. All the slippages. It's, it's full of that. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.